wanted to share a little bit about what I've learning and what I've been learning about the importance of God's glory, and I'll phrase that or describe that as God's perfections, God's beauty, God's magnificence, all that is honorable. God is way beyond what we can think of. And as we were talking about this the other night in family Bible study, I was trying to express to them the idea that God values his glory, his perfections above everything else. And when we did, talked about this as a family, the kids were thinking, as I thought in the past, before I gave it more thought, that God, the most important thing for God was our salvation. Which sounds reasonable given what we think of as the gospel, as Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. But as I thought about that more in my prayer time and the reading I've been doing, I believe God's glory wins out, or maybe more accurately speaking, our salvation is really a subset or an illuminator for God's glory. So here's one of the passages that really stuck out to me to explain that a little bit more. If we look at Ezekiel chapter 36, this is a prophetic passage talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit and what God does in our heart. So it sounds something like this in Ezekiel 36 verses 24 through I think 30 something. It says, For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. This is speaking about the Israelites. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This, this to me is, is really salvation where God changes the desires of your heart and puts that tenderness towards him and softens your heart so that you can respond to him. I and mean, this really speaks of salvation. Then in verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit, capital S, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your, to your forefathers, so you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanliness, and I will call for the grain and multiply it, and I will, not, I will not bring a famine on you. So all this language about he is saving them, he is rescuing them, and he is going to bless them. And most importantly, he's going to put his spirit in them so that they even want to follow his law. So why? Why is he doing this? I mean, this is a good thing that he's doing. Is it his most important goal to save his people? I argue no, and I argue that through verse 24, which is a couple of verses prior to even stating this salvation language. For I will take you from... Nope, that's where I just started. Back to verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel... this is He's speaking this to Ezekiel to speak to the people... Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. 
which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. So we have the salvation language, but it's in context of, I'm about to do this, but here's why. You have tarnished my name. You have miscommunicated what I'm like, my perfections, my beauty, my glory. And I am going to reset that, or I'm going to set the facts straight about what my glory is like. And I'm, in the, I'm going to do that by saving you, making you different, transforming your heart so that you can properly show what I'm like. That's his goal. And that immediately brings up in my heart and in my kids' hearts as we were talking about this, is God just stuck on himself? Is he prideful? What, what are we to do with that? One of the ways that's helped me is really to think about the Trinitarian nature of God. And we have to look to the New Testament in this and listen to the way the Father speaks to Jesus and listen to the way that Jesus speaks about the Father. And we see two distinct places in Scripture where, where Jesus speaks about his Son. And one of the statements, I believe, says something like, Behold my Son in whom I am well pleased. So he is uplifting the Son. He is praising the Son. You don't necessarily see the Father talking about himself necessarily, but praising the Son who is the exact image and representation of who he is. And then all throughout the New Testament, especially the Gospels, you see Jesus uplifting and defending the character and nature of the Father. So you have the Father speaking highly about the Son. You have the Son praising the Father. And you have the Holy Spirit that, that lifts both of them up. And so you have this humility, them talking about each other, not them lifting themselves up individually. So I think even within the Godhead, you have this humility but the Godhead itself is far above all of humanity and within it has such amazing glory and perfections that that needs to be communicated to others. So as we look further into how does this play out, why, why is it that God is so caught up in his perfections and his glories? What's, what's so important about it? If we flip over to Romans chapter 1, and go there quickly here. In verse 16, of course, this is, I think Luther kind of made this passage famous. Uh, in fact, I'm a little, hold on. We'll pull it up here. Okay, so in Romans 1, we have verse 16 that says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, remember gospel means good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Because in the gospel, in it, in verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So in verse 16 we have, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the good news because it's the power for salvation. So the question is, what good news is powerful for salvation? And I think this, we go back to the start of the letter of Romans, verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul says, Paul, bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the good news 
of God. And I think we can properly understand this exegetically speaking. It is good news from God. This good news comes from God, communicated from God, but it also comes, it, it is about God. It's good news about God himself. Good news about his perfections, good news about his glory, good news about his love and everything. And I think oftentimes we think of the gospel simply as forgiveness of our sins, when I think that's just a subset of it. And here's, here's why I think that's important to realize that when the gospel is only about our salvation and the rescue from our sins, it, it really gets downplayed really to just fire insurance. And it falls short of what is more important to God. So let's talk about that a little bit. I believe if we had an unhindered view of God's perfections, of his love, of his tenderness, maybe even experiential knowledge of some of those, that we would be so drawn to God like a magnet. Uh, his, his perfections would, would so overwhelm us that we would constantly pursue him for more of him. That, I believe, is the, is the, good, the power in the good news that his beauty is such that it would perpetually draw us forward into him. And if we look at 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 6, it has somewhat of that same knowledge. It says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, the knowledge of his glory, his perfections, his, his character and nature illuminates our soul and that is seen in the face of Christ. And one of the ways that Satan works against us is that he blinds us of that. And it says that in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, two verses prior to what I just read. It says, in whose case, this is, these are the ones that are perishing, the unbelieving, in their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan blinds us, I believe, by distractions, by temptations, by promoting the idea that there are things in this world that are far better than what God is. This is what Satan tries to get us to believe, so that our hearts appraise the things of this world as higher value than what God is. Let me read that again. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel. They might, their hearts might not be illuminated by the good news of the glory of Christ. And Jesus is the exact image, character, and nature of the Father. So Satan works in such a way where he keeps us so busy or so, um, I don't even want to say satisfied, but so consumed with stuff of this world. It could be a, a last-second shot to win a basketball game in a championship. It could be, it could be even a, a spouse that we get so consumed with that they become more important than God. It could be anything. He can take anything good and 
and give us um, maybe too much of it to where we appraise it higher than the value of God, to where our souls don't think that God can satisfy to that to that measure. So it resonates with me at least that the good news of the gospel is God's soul-satisfying character and nature that would fill every need of our soul that we could possibly have. That's good news. And that, I think, would consume our passions to keep us from pursuing any sort of sinful temptation. We would be so consumed with God that we wouldn't want anything else. God's goodness, God's tenderness... God's purity and perfections would, would ruin our taste for anything that this world can offer. That's why I believe that God's glory is most important to God himself. If there's anything that is top on God's priority list, it's maintaining his glory, maintaining the truth in our minds of what he is really like. And that is important because... That is the only thing that will keep us coming towards him. And we have to keep in mind John 17, 3, that says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Jesus characterizes eternal life not as that eternal living time span, but more so having a relationship with the one being that is all soul satisfying to be to have unhindered view of his glory and his, his beauty that satisfies our soul for eternity. So most important in, God, in God's mind is his glory. And as we pursue him and get a taste of him and, see that he, and taste and see that he is good, we keep wanting more. And I think that's what Romans 1.17 says that his righteousness is revealed from faith to faith as a piece of God's glory is revealed to us and we believe it, it takes us a step further towards his glory and our eyes are opened a little bit more. And then another piece of his glory is revealed through his word and we believe that and it takes us another step for, further so that we, we are brought closer and closer and closer to God, knowing him more and more and thereby being saved because we get that taste and we want more of him and we get that taste and we want more of him and that brings us forward to a full relationship in eternity with him so that's why i think god's glory is most important to him i think there's decent evidence for that in scripture so ponder that as i have it's it's really been illuminating to see different passages that really talk about how God values, uh, not values, there's another term for it, how important his glory is to him. And when he wants that, and we want that, and we're both wanting the same thing, and then we also want others around us to know that, it just, it just keeps on going. So hopefully that's helpful. I know it's been extremely helpful for me over the last couple of weeks just to think of his unhindered perfections and how we get to enjoy that for eternity.